episode of the Qarawiyin podcast. This is your host Sada and I'm joined by my two co-hosts today, Aisha A and Aisha H. How are y'all ladies doing? Assalamu alaikum Sada. Alhamdulillah I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Alhamdulillah. How are you Aisha A? I'm mixing up the last name initials but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, alhamdulillah good. It feels like ages since I've been on the podcast but yeah, man. glad to be back. Really excited about today's topic. <laughs> I think it's been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Alhamdulillah, yeah. Today's topic is, um, I'm sure people have guessed from the title, but um, basically talking about um, beauty and the concept of beauty, um, you know, in a, from a worldly standpoint, but also, um, and yeah, how it shows up in things like the beauty industry, but also in our day-to-day lives, and how we, of course, understand it from an Islamic standpoint um, as Muslims, how to make sense of, you know, a lot of the standards that we face. Um, and I think that this is a topic that, um, you know, very much applies to both men and women, um, but it also women f- face challenges from the standpoint in a very unique way, um, in a heightened way, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, I just kind of want to start by asking you guys if you think that um, does beauty matter in general? Like, is this even an important topic? Because um, I think it's very easy to just sort of dismiss it as like, oh, well, you know, like we can just ignore those things and pretend they don't exist and like, you know, just not have beauty standards and everything will be fine. But um, do you guys think that this, you know, does beauty matter? Yeah, I I hear that a lot these days about, you know, oh, if if beauty standards didn't exist, then, you know, everything would be fine. Um, But I think that, as you're saying, Sarah, like this this topic of beauty is not one that we can just kind of gloss over. Um, Beauty and generally aesthetics and seeking to make things pleasing to the eye has always been an integral part of of human history the expression of art in these forms be it you know in literature or music or painting or textiles this is what makes us more than just machines who are very scientific about <laughs> everything and focused only on understanding things in a very clinical way art and beauty allows us to express our emotions and our reflections and everything in between that in a way that is actually unique to us and i feel like that is something that makes all of us as, as as individuals unique. Additionally, we know that from an Islamic perspective as well, beauty is not something um, detached from Islam. Um, we know that Muhammad said that Allah is beautiful and he loves beauty. And Ibn al-Qayyim uh, explains in relation to this hadith that this is about the beauty of clothing. Uh, it's about the beauty of everything. You know, the general scope of this subject is that beauty in all of its forms are desirable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obviously we do that we express beauty primarily in the way that we look and in our clothing and you know this is why the history of textiles um you can literally chart human history in textiles because of the ways in which different clothing speaks to different times and places and people uh but essentially Allah likes to see his favors upon his slaves so we should invest in making ourselves presentable and dressing up when the occasion calls for it like all of these things are part of islam expressing beauty in that way is part of islam i think you know beauty as well does appeal to something metaphysical within us i remember having like a conversation about this with um with a brother who's who, who's researching uh in relation to islam and islamic studies in this area and he was like you know we can all say that you know because obviously we should be wary of the injunction that 
in Islam, we're not supposed to, for example, decorate our masajid excessively. But at the same time, the spirituality that you get from praying in a basement is different to the spirituality that you get for praying in a mosque in Turkey, for example, where the Ottoman style of masajid is extremely beautiful and extremely awe-inspiring. That goes to something deeper in your heart. The whole point is that Islam doesn't seek to exclude beauty in all of its forms. But I think that when we talk about beauty today, what we are seeing is not this. What we're seeing is really, I think, a broader, almost cultural phenomenon tied up with technological progress as well that has seen an increasing obsession almost with aesthetics at the appearance of all else. It's a very shallow understanding of beauty. It's very superficial. And this is manifested most obviously in regards to the way in which obviously people themselves dress and, um, and, and makeup and things like that. And as you were saying, more directly in regards to women as people who make up the majority audience of those industries. So you ask whether beauty is important. I think we need to acknowledge first and foremost the the reality that we live in, the society that we live in. Like, you know, from like from when I was young, right, the movies that I watch, and I'm a girl, and I like, you know, a good chick flick, I'm not going to stand here and pretend that I don't. And everybody loves a good makeover scene, you know, where the ugly duckling gets changed into the beautiful swan princess, and, you know, she, her eyebrows get plucked, and suddenly she's got a good, you know, $50 million makeover wardrobe, and, you know, suddenly she's got happiness. So this idea that happiness is intrinsically linked to this idea of beauty right so you become pretty suddenly your life falls into the place you get the prince you get the house you get the cars all of these you know material things everything just slots into place as soon as you become beautiful and i mean even moving on just from the 90s in every day like there is such an emphasis on what you look like you know people say first impressions are super important the celebrities that are lauded and revered by you know women and men of all ages really and just pop culture are the ones who are the most beautiful like I'm not trying to hate on Kylie Jenner but I mean I don't I really really doubt people listen to her and look up to her for the things that come out of her mouth right it's more the way she looks rather than the ideas she holds or the values that she has or you know people will then jump on my case and say oh no but she's a great humanitarian and she supported xyz charity that's great but that's not her main you know marketing appeal that's not why people like her and her cosmetic brand i mean and you see the again how important um society tells us beauty is when even you know tiktok which has exploded in popularity over the recent quarantine period has actually um tried to filter out videos from ugly, poor or disabled users from their, you know, For You page, the Discover Outrageous. page, essentially, because, you know, those are the ones, exactly, I mean, those are the, the hot, young, attractive videos are the ones that, mm. you know, people like to see. So they're, again, pushing this idea that if you're not beautiful, you don't hit a certain standard, you're not worth see being seen or even heard from. Yeah, yeah, it, it's difficult because, like, there's... um you know, on the one hand, like what Aisha H was talking about, which is that there's very much a concept of beauty in um, in Islam from an Islamic standpoint. Um, and, and that's something that like, yeah, it's meaningful. And like what you're talking about in terms of it having a metaphysical effect on us. Um, and this is, you know, and this is something that maybe it's difficult for us to understand when we 
are you know when we have like this hyper secularized worldview is that we just we it, we struggle to see like how the physical has a direct impact on the metaphysical how like what you see and like um even what you eat for example has an effect on you spiritually right so like eating food that's not halal can affect your khushu' and salah um and then similarly like what you see around you when you see like um cleanliness and maybe this is something that a lot more people can relate to but like when your space is tidied up it's easier for you to focus um for example, even, you know, like whether it's on your work or in your prayer. Um, but yeah, when you're in a masjid that is, you know, it doesn't even have to be like decorated super beautifully. But, you know, the difference between being in just like a clean, um, open, well-lit space versus, yeah, praying in like a closet or like a broom closet or a basement that has been like, you know, allowed for the women. Um, you feel a, like uh, there's some there's it has a spiritual effect on you, and we can't just tell people you should be strong enough to not be affected by these like by these physical appearances. Like your khushu' should be so strong that it doesn't matter where you're praying, like mm. you feel you know the presence of Allah and whatever. Like we that's just not how human being work human beings work. It's not how Allah created us. Um, you know, even when we when we read things like um, descriptions of the Prophet Sallallahu in addition to, you know, his character, we read descriptions of his physical appearance um, and not in a way that, you know, kind of like tries to elevate a certain beauty standard. And that's what is like really like just so beautiful about the way that the companions describe the Prophet Sallallahu It wasn't that they, you know, were like. We'd have to uh, we have to aspire to this physical standard of beauty, but rather just like it, it was everything about the Prophet Sallallahu that made him beautiful. Even like just like how do you like what is it that like uh, makes a Sahabi like look at the Prophet Sallallahu and then look at the moon and then look back at him trying to decide which is more beautiful mm-hmm. and then decide that the Prophet Sallallahu is more beautiful. Like you can't compare human human beauty or like our human beauty standards to the moon. Like what, there's no correlation between like mm-hmm. what makes the moon beautiful and what, what makes, you know, um, a person beautiful in terms of their facial features from our like modern beauty standards. But that was the kind of beauty that they perceived in the Prophet Sallallahu And he's also remembered, um, he, he's mentioned in a hadith as like wearing nice clothing, especially on like yeah. um, special occasions like Jum'ah and Eid um, and wearing like different colored clothing as well um, and very much valuing like, you know, taking care of his belongings, not having an excessive amount, um, but very much, yeah, taking care of his clothing and liking to wear nice things. Um, and having favorite colors even so these are things that you know yeah that like it has a place in yeah. in islam and in the sunnah um but yeah that it can become you know dangerous when we set up like certain standards for that beauty that one are you know like they require uh tabarraj <laughs> like it, it requires immodesty to like f- fulfill those standards number two they're often like uh racist like they're often based on you know mm-hmm. um european beauty standards often very classist you have to like um you know in order to achieve a certain look you have to spend a lot of money or you have to look like you've spent a lot of money um so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's difficult to you know kind of like reconcile these two things where it's like okay if it's sunnah to like beautify myself what does beautifying myself look like? Do I get to decide what I think is beautiful? Or do, is it determined by like, orf? is it determined by the, you know, the customs of people around me? Um, so yeah, how, how do we even go about that? Like, we, we want, we agree that like, Allah loves beauty, right? Yeah. But then how do we beautify ourselves in a way that is pleasing to Allah and his messenger? 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's the discussion that's really neglected because the hadith that I gave earlier of Allah is beautiful and he loves beauty, I see that so many times listed on either kind of Muslim fashion houses, web pages, or kind of models using it as their Instagram captions and things like that. And, you know, that's not as in, it can't just be used as a justification for whatever anybody decides is beautiful at divorced from the context that we're living in what beauty means today the standards that are present and the message that it is being sent out to the wider society of the role beauty should have in our lives so it i think that's definitely the conversation that we need to have just to touch on one thing that you mentioned sarah i mean um i'd argue that it's not so personally i'm going to just speak personally here it's not beauty it's not the issue with beauty standards that i have I don't have an issue with beauty standards per se, although they're you know problematic in themselves. It's just the weight and the importance that this society gives to beauty, right? And by beauty, I mean a very physical beauty. We're not talking about beauty of speech or beauty of character, beauty of, yeah. I don't know, how one conducts themselves in public spaces. It's purely physical beauty. And I think what gets me really riled up is it doesn't matter what you know, you've got to bring as a person, as a human being... It's purely based on what you look like. So when people say, look, you know, oh, they're really toxic beauty standards. We shouldn't aspire to have these, you know, European facial features or these, you know, now that's in vogue, you know, African, you know, anatomy proportions, for example. I just, the whole concept of why is this so important though, right? As Muslims, is this what we should be focusing our effort and our energies on? And I'm not saying, you know, that it's not difficult because like Aisha H was saying, it's, you know, it, it's impossible when, you know, you open your, the, you open Instagram and all you see, because it's a visual app. It's not like they're sitting there with little, you know, excerpts and abstracts of their <laughs> research articles. It's a visual thing. It's pictures and videos and you click on what's visually appealing. But there is such an emphasis that this is what we should be focusing our energies and attentions on. That I just, you know, I question that. Mm. As Muslims, we should question that. What is our purpose and why is this something that we should think is super, super important in our lives to the detriment of everything else? Mm. Yeah. The concerning thing for me also is that, like, I've seen, you know, from a gendered perspective, like, even scholars kind of emphasize the importance of physical beauty for women when it comes to, like, marriage. And I, like, literally have heard, like, not just, like, on Muslim social media, but literally scholars talking about, like, how important it is to men and, like, how physical appearance is so much more important to men than it is to women. How, like, women can, like, you know, make a lot of sacrifices when it comes to, like, appearance, like, of their spouse or whatever. But for men, it's, like, super important. And, like, in order for you to, like, have a happy marriage, like, you have to, you know, like, keep up your appearance and all this stuff. And, like, they literally try to, like, justify it from an Islamic standpoint of, like, you know, the rights of the spouses upon each other and, like, how part of it is, you know, like, you know, you're responsible for, yeah, like, keeping your spouse happy, whatever. But yeah, so this is not something that, you know, we can only blame the fashion industry for or, like, Instagram bloggers for. How is this coming from within, you know, mm -hmm. like, what we consider scholarly or, like, religious discourse that um, mm -hmm. that this is, like, a huge responsibility upon women to, um, yeah, like, literally labeling it a responsibility. Um, and then also, yeah, like, that, that there is, like, a huge amount of pressure placed where... I don't know. I feel like there's this really weird, like, it's like a weird contradiction where all aspect, like the most, you know, like, quote unquote, like religious families, they'll emphasize everything. Like you have to, you know, um, yeah, like be very chaste and be very, 
um, like knowledgeable, study Quran, study the deen, like don't do haram, don't do ikhtilat and everything. But then it comes to like physical beauty of girls and like all everything goes out the window when it mm-hmm. comes to like, you know, like it's like Islamic standards. And it's like, why aren't you like dressed well? Why aren't you wearing makeup? You need to like, um, you know, make sure that you always like look presentable in public at your wedding. You can take off your hijab because like, you know, you have to look good for the guests. Like all, that's the one thing that like the most, yeah, quote unquote religious people just like, sacrifice i don't know why that's like the one thing that they're willing to just you know like let go of and be like but yeah I know, like this argue, is important to yeah i would like i would argue that that just goes to prove how pervasive the society's um ideas of beauty and how much importance they place on it like even you know imams boys weddings uncles aunties whatever you know they're not immune by the kind of cultural and societal expectations of you know a woman's beauty and how far that should go like when you were saying about you know you should be beautiful for your spouse listen you know i don't want to come home to my husband looking like a caveman and i'm sure he doesn't want to come home to me looking like a cave woman you know so agreed we should be you know you know beautify ourselves for our spouses and look presentable just like if i go visit my friends i'm not gonna turn up without washing my hair and wearing nice clothes because that's just you know like it, people you care about you dress up you make an effort normal stuff but I think it it then crosses a line where you're putting undue pressure on boys and girls um, to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And you see this in, you know, the rising cases of anorexia amongst, you know, children as young as eight even in the recent national surveys um, and, you know, just mental health issues and like body image problems or dysmorphias that people have, you know, boys having you know aspiring to have these six packs which are so normalized now in like superhero films and just you know guys in hollywood where they all have to be super ripped and have to go to the gym and girls having to have this you know perfect figure etc etc and then you know really internalizing that this is what normal people look like like there was a post i saw going around on social media where um this instagrammer and she happens to be i don't know some fitness guru or whatever and she would do these side-by-side pictures of herself where you know one picture would be posed for instagram where she's you know got amazing figure and then in the next one she's you know breathed out and she looks like a normal woman again but she was saying how she's had followers reply saying you know thank you for showing these pictures because my husband boyfriend partner whatever has said you know i didn't know that other women looked like that i thought it was just the women in my life who were defective because everyone else on tv and shows that i saw were like these airbrush perfection models and i mean the the psychological maybe it's because i'm a doctor and i just see human bodies in every shape and form at every stage of life but the idea that people will genuinely internalize you know the the images they see on the media as being the norm Mm -hmm. is damaging in ways we don't even realize yeah a hundred percent i think specifically as well as you know subhanallah a symptom of the modern day and the ills of pornography that have become so much more widespread because of the technology that we have and people you know are accessing it you know just so easily now on their phones children are just googling it subhanallah even some of the specific body types that are portrayed in those scenarios are becoming normalized within mainstream makeup and beauty trends such that people again have those expectations and when they don't see that in their spouse it very much is a risk is a risk of ruining their relationship and it's just kind of crazy sometimes to see how these kinds of things like you guys are saying as well when emphasized disproportionately on one gender for, for, for one or both genders can lead to these very real problems 
in, in, in life, be that mental health issues or anything else. But I think as well, even prior to people getting to the stage where they're thinking about getting married and so they start thinking about what they want in a partner, the way in which I feel most people these days express their, uh, make themselves feel beautiful is through taking photos and putting it on social media. And, you know, you, um, Aisha, you mentioned TikTok earlier, uh, which is you know, definitely, I think, the biggest risk for perhaps, you know, the Gen Zs among us. But Instagram has been repeatedly found to be the worst app for self-esteem, surpassing even other pornography um, apps that, you know, in terms of what it does to your brain functions. And specifically as well, the rise in apps that change your facial features, like Facetune, is so endemic that literally I just don't trust any photo that I see on social media now, because pretty much 95% of people are using those toggles to make their lips bigger, make their chin smaller, make their eyes bigger, make their forehead smaller, whatever it is. And subhanAllah, there's, it, it's just crazy to think that this is how far we've come, where people are literally rewriting their faces according to what they think looks good. And we've got the power to do that in just this little thing in our hands. But that's an image that then they continually put out there. And even though it's fake, it reinforces that this is the societal standard, such that when it then comes to things like relationships, people have extremely unrealistic standards when they realize that the person doesn't look like that behind, you know, behind the editing, behind the apps, behind the makeup. Again, that's at a risk of ruining people's relationship, people's self-esteem, leading to mental health issues, body dysmorphia. It's just such a vicious circle, but we are the ones who are also participants in it and are perpetuating it. Yeah. And that's the thing is that like, um, you know, back to what Aisha A was saying about how like, you know, wanting to take care of one's appearance and beautifying oneself when you go out into public, whether it's like, yeah, for your spouse or just, you know, like, yeah, when you're meeting your friends or in general, like that, I think is very much like that has a place in Islam, like the concept of Ihsan um, and like, you know, just like taking care of what Allah has granted a person um, and like valuing that blessing and showing shukr for that blessing by taking care of it and by valuing it. I think that that, you know, that is very much something that like we can uh like say is like an islamic value but then when the like the popular ideal of what it means to take care of your appearance is like to have done surgery to be wearing makeup that literally like Mm -hmm. changes your physical features and how you look to be using filters that um like morph your face and like change your bone structure when when like you know somebody who like has this concept of ihsan in their physical appearance and like the way they carry themselves but doesn't fulfill those standards is seen as like like a bum who like doesn't take care of their appearance who, who like doesn't care to you know beautify themselves for their spouse whatever that becomes a problem and like even outside of marriage like this is a problem in um even the workplace where you know literally in the workplace like the um you know like th- there's studies on how like people who are conventionally beautiful like are more successful in their careers there shouldn't be any correlation between that but there is so you know it it it, like there's this problem yeah again when it comes to that disconnect between um us very much having this this value of ihsan and of taking care of oneself um and like beautifying your surroundings as well not just your yourself and your appearance but like um your home your space your workplace your masjid um, but then, you know, the, the standard now, the popular standard now of what is considered beautiful is like, if, if not only in, unrealistic, again, a lot of times it requires um, like sacrificing modesty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so important as well to see 
the, this discussion about beauty and the problems that we are seeing now is come, come, coming out of this industry and, and this obsession with, with aesthetics as part of definitely as well a broader problem in terms of the, 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 the spiritual and the material state that we find ourselves in. Uh, personally, when I see kind of this obsession with beauty and you kind of touched upon it earlier when you were talking about how, you know, very often this is something that has internalized elements of classism within it as well what comes to mind for me is just how this is completely based off of consumerism and how the idea that you know by be to be beautiful you need these things you need to be wearing these things you need these things on your face you need to look this way and if you have to pay in order to look this way you should do that is all completely tied up within capitalism that really the human form has just been completely commodified in my mind where they are willing to uh, where, where corporations are willing to do whatever it takes to sell you this desire that you need to be beautiful and this is what it takes to get there. And honestly, when you look at as well, obviously, the the, the, the numbers behind the beauty industry and funnily enough, obviously, you know, everyone has been talking recently about the boycott of of, of France after um, their, 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 their publishing of the cartoons of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And when you look at their biggest industries on the on the on the on France's stock exchange, uh, at least three of them, I think, are beauty companies, and one of them is a fashion company. And wait, thank you actually for mentioning that, because like I just want to emphasize, like, like the, all things point to France being such a degenerate society, <laughs> and like this is like an additional evidence for that fact that like, like don't be surprised anymore, guys. Like, please draw the connection. So yeah, yeah. anyway, please no, continue. no, absolutely, absolutely. Subhanallah, it's uh, you know, it's 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 a fashion capital of the world that has for decades now, for generations, ultimately been selling insecurity to women in order to tell, and then, and then telling them, you are, you, you're cool, you're, you know, you're cultured, you're sophisticated because you look this very, very particular way. Um, but just seeing then the numbers, the stark numbers behind those, behind these brands and how much they're actually making every single year off of selling women things and telling them that they need this to be beautiful, it's, it's really shocking. And that in turn, you know, shows that these problems that we're talking about of, oh, look, they have low self-esteem, it's objectification of women, these are not even considered a problem because ultimately they're benefiting uh, the powers that be to, 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 to keep sustaining them. But also, I think, you know, and this is perhaps a little bit more controversial, I've seen, you know, people debating this on social media quite a bit, but I do believe, going back to something you mentioned uh, earlier, Sarah, that these beauty standards also have been tinged by racism and the kinds of features that are considered beautiful have been largely Eurocentric until quite recently. And what instead now recently we've been seeing is a fetishization of certain characteristics that are you know, more common to people from different cultures and people aspiring to look like them and doing their makeup or getting surgery in a certain way in order to attain those features. And there was a really interesting article, actually, that I read a few months back in The New Yorker, which was talking about this phenomena of Instagram face, which basically posited that we are entering an age where, you know, you just see so many of these images on Instagram of different people who all look very similar. And I've seen plenty of these kinds of pictures, so I'm sure you guys will have as well. Mm -hmm. But they all kind of capture this ethnically ambiguous look where the features are all kind of, you know, from different parts of the world. So according, like, you know, the, this author was uh, arguing that, you know, the, the nose generally tends to be more ca Caucasian and aquiline. The, the, the facial structure and t t tends to be, like, more reminiscent of people from the Middle East or, or, or Native Americans. The lips are more reminiscent of 
people of African heritage. And essentially, you know, it's an amalgamation of all of these features from different parts of the world that is intended to, you know, that is now presented as, oh, look, this is this is a beautiful person. Even though this beautiful person is basically an artificial image that has been created that now people are aspiring for. And obviously that's very much epitomized in, you know, the kind of the Kardashian clan and the kind of makeup revolution that really all of them did start um, I mean, because there's a huge debate as to whether it even looks good, the their, their looks that they promote. I personally am not a fan. But regardless, you know, you're, we're, we're in a situation where people are now going and getting surgery in a bid to look like these women. What does that say about the how, I don't know, use the word inclusive as 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 though that is the standard but to be but but rather it just shows i guess that these standards are extremely exclusive and this image that is being portrayed of what is beautiful is still unrealistic even when it integrates in features that are not solely eurocentric in that sense yeah i hope that people are able to you know be critical of people who are claiming to present Um, diverse or inclusive beauty standards by presenting you know like different skin tones and different body types because like as much as you know a brand or a blogger or whatever like does attempt to you know present like a diversity of body types you still will never see like an actual diversity of what normal human beings look like on these brands people are still like curated to look a certain way there's still like there's still a standard like they're, they're like nobody has actually broken out of you know um like yeah what what dominant beauty standards dictate like as much as you know like kind of toying with that and kind of showing like slightly different body types or like slightly different facial features kind of it actually wins those companies points again right like again this is just um like going back to consumerism it's actually a way for them to like make even more money by saying like oh look we're actually showing like a more diverse beauty standard but they're still not showing an actual you know like um like like what normal human beings look like there's still something that, about it that's very much curated and also like we always still have to go back to the point that like we shouldn't you know even celebrate again like displays of beauty in such blatant ways for both men and women like again this is this is not a like um a gendered point even though like women face you know like the bulk of the pressure to look a certain way um and to like you know like they're really kind of bombarded with these physical beauty standards by media but the like the fact that like modesty is extremely important this needs to be emphasized for both men and women that like regard regardless of like who out there is trying to like push ideas about like body positivity and like diverse beauty standards and whatever for one thing they're not like they're they're lying to you and are yeah. making money off of you by doing that and number two like we don't celebrate that anyway we're not going to celebrate you know um maybe what we think is a good end which is like maybe dismantling um european beauty standards or classist beauty standards through like uh through means that are still you know contrary to what islam says which is you know like th- through again like a lack of modesty through tabaraj through all of these things and uh, this we even see this in like um the fashion industry now specifically with muslims who think that they're like they they really act like they're you know pushing some like amazing social justice cause and that like muslims everywhere are, have some like moral responsibility to support them for like starting you know modest clothing brands as if they're like they're doing some like service to the community when they're doing the same thing not only are they um you know using certain beauty standards often to like sell their clothing um but they're also you know they're they're engaging in the same like capitalist fashion industry that one produces clothing um in very unethical and environmentally unsustainable ways um but also yeah it's just um it's encouraging people to consume more when they don't need to consume more then i think that a lot of people 
they make the mistake of thinking that like, okay, if I um, like finding, you know, ethical alternatives for my consumption, um, that is like achieving something great when a lot of the time it's just not finding alternatives. It's just consuming less. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like not even like co- contributing to the industry overall as little as possible. And I'm saying this as somebody who like loves fashion, who um, like this is like the one thing that like that I've just always loved and that has always been like a hobby for me um is like is fashion and clothing and like yeah yeah, like trying to have like ihsan with in in the way that I dress um but also like again like defining that on my own terms trying to not um contribute to something unethical um and un-Islamic like through you know through pursuing just like what is like a hobby for me yeah um but yeah yeah no, absolutely. I think, you know, you've touched on a really important point, which is now kind of as Muslims in that space, how are we navigating that? And it seems like with many things Muslims, as, as Muslims, we end up doing, uh, we kind of just uncritically adopt the situation and just try and make a space for us, as opposed to, like you said, you know, doing it on our own terms. SubhanAllah, I have met so many people, and I really mean like so many people who are now admitting the pressure that they face from hijabi bloggers and vloggers and, you know, kind of Instagrammers uh, who present a very unattainable look as that, that completely subscribes to kind of the mainstream, but just with the addition of a hijab. So what this has resulted in is just twice the pressure that Muslims now face, that you have this kind of Western beauty standard that we're talking about of the Kardashians and everything that you see in the media and on TV. And then you also have from this kind of very niche market, obviously it's still a niche um, of, you know, hijabi Muslim fashion, giving you an equally unattainable image, both sets of beauty standards that you have to live up to with your hijab and without your hijab. And the pressure of that has unfortunately contributed to some Muslim women taking it off. They just feel like I have more pressure to wear makeup with my hijab than I do if I don't wear it. And whilst obviously, you know, this sounds a little bit counterintuitive, this is something that I even noticed at my time at university and work where very often, you know, girls who were not Muslim were able to, you know, turn up to their 9am lecture or turn up at 9.30 in the morning for work, not wearing really any makeup because they'd had a late night the night before. And, you know, they're coming to work, they're coming to study. It's not about dressing up like they're going to a party. But it's the Muslims who would come in with a full face of makeup. And the expectation then with you kind of sitting next to them wearing hijab, being barefaced is that, oh, you don't even look like, you know, you've finished getting ready. And sometimes I would speak to sisters who would say that they even envy, like, non-Muslim women for having that choice to be able to come in and not wear makeup. And subhanAllah, it just seemed like crazy to me that the whole point of hijab is that other than obviously doing it for the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it does free us from these artificial man-made standards. And yet we as Muslims have almost thrown that away and started putting those standards on ourselves when Allah liberated it from us from it in the first place. It's just, it, it, it's really baffling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that reminds me of a lot of comments that I've seen from hijabis, like who who literally have said things like, you know, y'all are lucky that you don't have to wear makeup. I wear like a a headscarf, so I have to wear. I'm like, what do you mean have to? As if like, you know, they make it seem like, oh, because like, you know, covering your hair, like kind of like de-beautifies you, you have to still look beautiful enough. And you have to make up for whatever beauty was lost by covering yourself by wearing makeup. I've literally seen like, you know, like multiple sisters say stuff like this. Um, and it's really concerning that this be like, it's considered like a requirement 
you know, to, to look a certain way in public. Um, but I've also seen, you know, uh, and like the question of like whether or not makeup is permissible is not like really the scope of this conversation. Um, but I think like regardless of your opinion on like whether it's permissible, how much is permissible, something that like I personally find problematic is when it becomes part of people's identity and when it becomes something that like they feel like they can't be seen in public without it, then that's like a, that's problematic for you and like your, your self-esteem and like so, you know, just for your, like, psychologically, I think it's problematic, um, that it has, like, such a hold over you, and, like, um, yeah, it has, like, some sort of, like, control over your life, that has nothing to do with, like, permissibility or whatever, but just the fact that, like, you feel like you can't even, you know, exist in public, that you're not allowed to, like, be seen without it, or that you, you feel, like, extremely insecure to be just seen the way that Allah created you, like, that, like, where does that come from? That's not, you know, that's not something that people are born with, and it's not something that anybody, um, like feels because like the way that they look naturally is bad or deficient in any way that's something that is um you know internalized over time through like receiving a lot of messaging um and i've even like we were like talking to a sister the other day we were just like 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 i was having a conversation with some sisters who were kind of asking like what is the permissibility of makeup and um like how much is permissible and whatever and like mm. we found some like comments from scholars who were saying that like uh it's permissible to the point where you know, you can use it to cover blemishes, but not anything beyond that, like just, you know, beautification for its own sake. Again, I'm not like trying to make any commentary about this. I'm giving context to like explain um, where the conversation went. But then after that, like the sister says, well, okay, I wear like eyeliner every day. um, And I don't, that's not really like to cover blemishes. So is that not permissible by like, according to what the scholar was saying? And we were like, yeah, I guess. And she was like, well, that's really difficult because it's literally part of my identity. And what does that mean for like, you know, makeup to be part of a person's identity where they feel like they can't let go of it. Um, yeah, yeah. And that I think that that extends beyond just makeup. Like any physical, like superficial thing, um, to consider it part of your identity, like just you know, yeah, like uh, that's problematic. I think. Yeah, definitely. Like even you know, the sister wearing eyeliner may not be a problem, but like you said, it's the it's the fact that this has become attached to us being ourselves and not being able to go Mm -hmm. out without it we definitely shouldn't be you know relying on anything to that extent um yeah exactly yeah just to add to that though as in i see what you're saying about identity and how it shouldn't become part of your identity but i think i mean speaking for myself anyway um it's not yes it's part of your identity but it's also I think just how you get used to seeing yourself like I mean and I think a lot of girls can can relate to this um but just you know girls who even wear if they wear like very light makeup the second you like if you you know you wear eyeliner or mascara or whatever it is um the second that you come into work or school or college or whatever without it people go oh my god are you dying yes, like yes. You, know, you look really really rough people really like, need to stop yeah. saying that <laughs> like yeah. are you okay oh you know so it's not even for some I want to look stunning you know like it's not like that kind of thing it's just this is now what normal is and I think you know what we were talking about how you know societal perceptions of what normal should look like in light of you know like snapchat filters instagram filters facetune etc that new normal is like such an elevated status like you know if you look back at old um tv shows like people what the what their like everyday makeup looks like what their everyday faces yeah. i should say look like nowadays was specifically reserved you know 
let's say 10 20 years ago for like the big screen or like your wedding day and yeah. like you know that kind of mm-hmm. huge events yeah. it's not like you wouldn't cake your face to go to the, to, to tesco but you do now <laughs> you know like that's yeah. that's kind of what normal is yeah. i think as well know? like people don't realize that some of these makeup trends that we're seeing like they've come as well from the drag scene and like specifically caking <laughs> like things on and certain like you know what's it called like shading or contouring or strobing whatever it is like they've actually come from that scene because yeah they were never part of everyday makeup artists vocabulary yeah but it's also from like the movie scene because mm. a lot of these looks right and they i mean makeup artists admit this themselves right it's stuff that only looks good in pictures yeah. and on film yeah. because when you see it up close you see like three inches of makeup on their skin yeah. you know and generally today that's not considered very attractive but you look great in pictures and if it's all you know for pictures anyway then you know you've done it yeah. mm-hmm. and because we're yeah. living just such a, a life where it's about putting out that image even if it's not mm. real we're living such fake lives already which is why I've, i really see this as tied up in kind of cultural and technological progressions as well that becomes acceptable because yeah as long as it looks good yeah. in the photo you know people don't really care about what real life is anymore Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's like it becoming the new normal. Like this is something that I like find really frustrating because again, then it becomes like um the exception now is the person who just goes out looking the way that God created them. Yeah. And like this is something that like it, it used to bother me. Now I'm like, okay, like it just is what it is. <laughs> But literally at, at like for so many like events that I went to or like I remember multiple times like setting up for MSA events when we had like, you know, like banquets or dinners or whatever like people would come up to me and be like when are you gonna get ready like are you gonna go get ready because <laughs> no, no, i was like God. dude like yeah no, and this is like all the time and i'm just like look like i'm not gonna i'm, I'm just wow, not gonna you know it. no and that's the thing i'm like and then when i said like oh i'm not going to then it was like wow like you're so brave and i'm like dude like what about this like what about looking like myself requires bravery like there's so much like underhandedness mm. there like whether it's like intended or not but like how mm. does that become the normal then that like And people just, like, feel very, like, confident about, like, making, you know, like, setting this up as as the standard. And I remember, like, yeah, seeing also, um, yeah, like, on Twitter a while ago, like, like, some girl tweeting about, like, you know, the girls who don't wear makeup need to stop, like, you know, just, like, stop, like, hating on girls who do just because, like, you're too lazy to, like, get ready in the morning. And I was, like, I, like, not me not spending, like, like, hello money like buying this stuff spending an hour putting it on in the morning to change the way i look it makes me lazy and makes me just like an insecure hater who like hates beautiful people like that that's the like messaging that's being put out there and this mm. is you know it, like i wouldn't mention it if it wasn't pervasive enough that i think it actually it like is a problem you know mm-hmm. and this is i don't think that that's like some fringe thing that like people make those comments yeah mm. and you know this is the thing sara like alhamdulillah you are mashallah like brave enough to as <laughs> i know you're saying it's not bravery but And in this day and age, I'd say that it is that you have enough self-confidence to kind of, that, mm. you know, people's comments like that don't affect you badly. You just think, no, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy as I am, alhamdulillah. But I know that mm. definitely, especially for younger girls, comments like that would be really damaging, that they would think that they Crippling. have to absolutely, you know, I don't look good enough. Like, and this is people mm. who are your friends even telling you it, you know, or people you know. Mm. It would be really difficult. But definitely as well, the fact that this is happening with just kind of wearing makeup, Personally, I fear how this is going to go in the long run with regards mm. to things like surgery, where it's becoming so normalized now, it's cheap enough that people can invest in getting, you know, kind of small, uh, uh, small cosmetic procedures done, like getting their lips done or, you know, I don't, I'm not even going to pretend to know I know what the other ones are, but, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there are cheaper 
things out there than getting necessarily a nose job or absolute plastic surgery. But it's becoming so common is my point that I feel like this is a conversation that subhanAllah could happen in the future where people are like, oh, why don't you get this done? And it becomes a very kind of casual dinner table conversation that we're recommending for young girls. And personally as well for me, I feel like for, as, from, from an Islamic standpoint, people's opinions on this are not always really clear. I think the discussion tends to be very legalistic where people are like, oh, well, it's halal because, you know, the chemicals that they're using for the implants in your face don't have any pork products um, in them. Or it's okay if, you know, your husband allows it or it's okay if it's temporary. And I mean, I'm going to come back to those contentions in a bit. But I think as well, one thing that I hear a lot is people who say, oh, but you know, it's just like going to the gym. You know, if you were to get some liposuction or you're going to get any other kind of implants on any other part of your body, it's just like going to the gym. And that's really quite a false analogy because firstly, going to the gym and and doing some exercises doesn't involve an invasive procedure that is potentially harmful. You know, they do carry some risks. Secondly, one can only change the natural shape of their body so much by doing exercise, even if you focus on exercises targeting specific parts of your body. So you're not going to achieve the look of some of these people that we've spoken about the Kardashians, Kylie Jenner, by doing some of these, you know, like glute exercises that people, that they claim they used to get their bodies the way that they did. So that is, that's not going to happen just by you exercising. And finally, even if you were doing exercising for those reasons, you also have many benefits from just exercising generally. It gives you overall health benefits. It strengthens your core, you build muscle and all of these things. But aside from then that, there's some other things to just consider, even from a legalistic perspective, if, if, if somebody was contemplating getting these kinds of surgeries done. Firstly, we do have a prohibition in Islam on changing the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where this is derived from a hadith where Muhammad sallam prohibited a woman from filing her teeth to create like uh, a, a gap between her two front teeth because that was considered beautiful there and he said you know this is changing the creation of Allah this is prohibited and generally anything that is um, causing a drastic difference in in in, in Allah's in your body and in the way in which he has made you that is prohibited and un- unless obviously you know people have an accident and they need, I don't know, reconstructive facial surgery or something like that. So obviously it doesn't apply to those extreme cases, but generally speaking. Secondly, you know, people would be exposing their aura very often to get some of these surgeries done. So that's another thing that needs to be considered. But then again, all of this fiqh aside, people who say they wanted to have some temporary Botox procedure that doesn't involve any haram substances and it's fine. It comes back to all of the context that we've just been talking about, that why are we contributing to this artificial standard of what is considered beautiful that is going to reinforce it society-wide and is only going to harm us in the long term? You know, that is, that, that, that's going to be negative for our self-esteem. We need to be the ones that, yeah, take the stance that, mashallah, Sarah, you embodied <laughs> bravely and just be like, you know what, I'm not going to be part of the system because I don't think I, I, I need to be. That doesn't mean you can't look beautiful. That doesn't mean that you can't, you know, enjoy fashion as, as, as you were saying that you did and as, as we were talking about in the beginning. But there needs to come a point where we stop and we say, no, you know, this is something that we shouldn't engage in because it doesn't fit in the overall spirit of the Sharia. Yeah, and that's like, I hate that we have to kind of like preface some points by saying like, okay, besides the legal points, besides like whether it's haram or not, it's bad for you psychologically, it's bad for you like for your mental health, because like, 
it should be enough that like we you know we really try like we make a sincere effort to find like the most accurate opinions like of fiqh and just follow those but still i'm gonna still make the disclaimer of like besides those things like because let's just assume that maybe there's a difference of opinion on some things we really are concerned for like the mental well-being of like again both men and women when it comes to like how these things affect you psychologically how it affects your mental health because like even something that like is permissible like working out and going to the gym can you like we can all draw the distinction between like the mindset of somebody who goes who exercises because they need to look a certain way or because they want to look a certain way and somebody who exercises be- with the mindset that like Allah gave me this body as an amana and I'm required to take care of it and to be healthy so that I can like you know continue to like uh, live a healthy lifestyle so I can continue to do my ibadah so I can like you know be energetic and focused in my ibadah with my family like do you see the like the two different mindsets there and how one would like you know like that person who like just feels healthier after exercising like they've achieved their goal they're happy the person who does it to look a certain way they'll still they'll never fit the beauty standard that they're trying to yeah, fit yeah, um, and like it, it'll still always be you know because and that's the thing too is like and actually this is like a huge reassurance I think um, for like everybody who kind of feels bogged down by these beauty standards is like they change every year yeah. this is how you know that they're meaningless so yes. somebody who feels like okay yeah, you can say like, oh, you know, you don't have to feel pressure to wear makeup or whatever, but only people who are like, you know, conventionally beautiful can actually do that. Like, because there is, you know, there's still this whole like no makeup movement, but the only people who are like popularized through it are people who are naturally like conventionally beautiful, who fit beauty standards. But really like it, we have to kind of like, and this is, it's such a, it's a tough mental battle and it takes time, but to really see that like, no, it, the fact that like the way I look naturally doesn't fit like what beauty standards are today says nothing about like whether or not like, you know, Allah actually created me in a way that's deficient, which like obviously it would be problematic to think so. Yeah. So yeah, like it just like as a reassurance, a reminder that these beauty standards change all the time. Beauty standards today are literally the opposite of what they were in the 90s. Like, yes. Polar opposite. Exactly. So like, yeah, no, the, these things like, I can't emphasize enough like how meaningless they are yeah and like how you know like we can shed them like yeah. if we like make an effort to this is the thing sorry just quickly on on that point uh i think subhanallah I'm, I'm just i'm just about old enough now to remember when that change even from like the 2000s kind of beauty trends really came in and changed the way in which suddenly now like it's the complete opposite that everybody is aspiring towards I grew up, when when I was growing up, like, it was about, yeah, being stick thin, and everybody, you know, subhanAllah, suddenly we saw an explosion in, in cases in anorexia and bulimia, mm-hmm. because people were aspiring to just that size zero look. I remember as well when the 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 change from thin eyebrows to bushy eyebrows came in and I remember this specifically because I was going through a phase where I was reading Vogue a lot and (laughs) I remember just literally over the months like how specific models in particular you know had this look and everyone was raving about them and suddenly it became like mainstream and now it's just you know thick eyebrows are the only things anybody wants to have even people with bushy eyebrows are trying to make them bushier I saw I think somebody on social media say something about um uh Khaliji Arabs Gulf Arabs using products that subhanAllah they already have like perfectly great eyebrows that are on this trend but they're still using even more products to like kind of exaggerate it even more because everybody is just the, the trend half the time is just to use these products even so definitely that should just be a complete reminder as to how as, as to how futile these standards are last thing i just wanted to add to all of that was i 
to link back to the point we were making earlier um, about consumerism and how it's really just a money-making scheme. I mean, think about it. If you change the beauty standard every five to 10 years or so, you're going to have to keep buying products to keep up with it because you're never going to look beautiful. It's not a it's not a fixed or permanent thing. So if one year, you know, thin eyebrows are in, you're going to go out and get the you know best waxing or tweezing eyebrow kits that you can. And if the next year, you know, thick eyebrows are in, you're going to get all the you know brow pomade <laughs> and like, you know, eyebrow pencils. So like you can never win. Yeah. Like it's it's very deliberate, even that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we definitely want to, again, provide practical steps for how to like resist these trends, resist these movements w- without also then like falling into um, just like bashing people who um, are, are really like victims to a lot of these things, victims to both like beauty standards and also the beauty industry and the fashion industry. Um, and again, like not going to um, what I think is like an un-Islamic extreme, which is again, that initial point of like, well, beauty doesn't matter. And there's like no concept of beauty in Islam, um, which again, like, I think we, we've like, we've addressed. Um, but yeah, what, like what concrete steps can folks take now um, in order to like resist a lot of the problematic trends that we that we discussed today. Yeah, I mean, I think first off, exactly as you said, you know, this isn't about pointing the finger at anybody and being like, oh my god, you know, they're promoting this, they're so bad. Because I think all of us, especially as women, are in this together as victims of this system that actually has, you know, a much longer history than we've been able to kind of talk about today. But the objectification of women is nothing new. Um, and particularly, I would say, you know, in, in, in Western society, although obviously people would like to say that about Eastern society and Muslim societies as well. But I'm going to go out there and say in, in Western society, for today um and consequently people who are part of it are not necessarily doing it out of any kind of malicious intent or wanting to prey off of girls insecurities in order to make money like that is not the 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 motivation for i would say the majority of people who go into that industry but i think we obviously we all need to take a step back and realize where all of us even as consumers are complicit in these systems. And the ways in which we resist that will probably sound quite small scale, but I think that in order to realize a kind of societal shift in the way we understand beauty, those small actions need to happen. So I feel like, you know, in terms of resisting definitely as well for the sake of our own mental health, limiting your consumption of beauty, um, you know, kind of videos or vloggers or whoever it is needs to happen because we all see far too much of what is essentially useless information that doesn't do anything good for our self-esteem and can be damaging in the future for all of the reasons that we've we've outlined previously so you know just using that unfollow button can actually be really really helpful and the people i know who have done it myself included feel hugely relieved once that happens because you're not going through your explore feed or your you know um or, or your timeline feeling like like you're just not good enough you know you're looking at things that are actually interesting to you not what other people have told you is interesting and told you is information that you need to know so I think that's like the first thing that we can do um I think secondly it would be for us as Muslims especially to really appreciate and reflect on the value of hijab in these times because subhanallah it's something that really is so powerful as a shield against these industries when we understand it's it's, it's its role holistically. Often it comes down to this, you know, do you wear hijab? Do you not wear hijab? That's not only where the discussion needs to happen. The discussion needs to happen as to whether we are embodying the spirit of hijab. We are embodying the understanding that 
beauty has a place in Islam, but that place is not always the public sphere. It's about embodying that haya in our character, which itself is a beautiful quality, you know, and, and, and something that we should be, we should, we should aspire to integrate into everything that, that, that we do and into our and, and make a characteristic of us as individuals. So I think really reflecting on that is also important. And then I think generally, perhaps coming back to what you were saying, Sara, in terms of recognising where consumption and, and the problematic things that we associate with consumerism and things like that these days can't just be changed by us finding an alternative thing for us to consume, ethical makeup or, you know, uh, environmentally friendly fashion, but just consuming less overall. And this is definitely something in, in, in these times, uh, not just because of coronavirus, but because of the, the climate and the whole world and, and, and social injustices that we're seeing. It, it, it's going to be something that we really do need to internalize for the future and so now is a great place to start and given how much money the beauty and the fashion industry makes especially from women it's a good place for us as individuals to start too mashallah i mean i i think ashahich touched on pretty much all the things that i wanted to say um and just to sum up that you are what you consume right and it does it does play on your mind and it does affect your viewpoint whether you realize that consciously or not um it you know in in the sense of how important you perceive something to be because i mean if like for example when the covid pandemic broke out it was on the news everywhere right it's pervading our everyday lives it is like the biggest thing on our brains similarly if on your social media feeds beauty and the importance of beauty is just being blasted everywhere and you can't get away from it 24 7 in your head you will think you know yeah beauty is super super important and i think as muslims especially it's really really vital that we look at ourselves and what our priorities are in life right as muslims you need to we need to be asking ourselves you know what role am i going to allow beauty and you know the effort i put towards beautifying myself in you know the grand sphere of my life for example you know am i going to value how beautiful i am is that more important than you know for example, you know, my intelligence or, you know, what I do for my community or how I serve my friends and my parents and my family um, is this, you know, at the end of the day, on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa stands there and asks us, you know, what is going to matter on that day, you know, is and we need to be prioritizing our lives and our actions in proportion to what we think is important, you know, and, and what matters at the end of the day. Yeah, I think I would just conclude by saying that on the one hand, I want to, like, really emphasize, like, again, how unimportant physical beauty standards are, um, but also, like, just kind of recognize the reality that I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon, that um, a lot of people, especially, like, young people feeling insecure about their physical appearance is not going to go away anytime soon. So I would, but the thing is, like, when it comes to yeah insecurity about one's appearance and just overall concern about one's appearance like it is so reassuring to remember that Allah is the one that created us and this is the same God who created the Prophet ﷺ, who expresses love for us in so many ways in the Quran in all of the blessings that he's granted us and who like repeatedly talks about like how he fashioned human beings um, and like, how could Allah create us as anything but beautiful? And that is enough. Like, that's all, that's the only standard that could possibly matter. And the, like, what could trump 
like Allah's creation and like each specific decision because nothing is an accident none of Allah's decisions are random so nothing about the way he fashioned you is random or accidental or deficient so nothing can trump that and nothing can diminish that with that understood like yeah we don't have to you know place so as much emphasis on this as we do and like if I can you know I don't know who's listening but as a reminder to honestly a lot of the brothers and a lot of the like male community leaders out there who are still pushing this narrative that like look men are just psychologically different and physical appearance is just more important to them like can can you actually also like then like if if you want to push that fine but like can we have the addendum that like what they understand to be like physical beauty is shaped by like artificial standards that are man-made and that are not you know like it's not a biological thing to think that like you know lighter skin or um, like a thinner nose or any of these other beauty standards are more beautiful. Um, so can like, yeah, please like, you know, just like ha- have a more holistic view of like where these standards even come from in the first place, what effect it has on a lot of the women who are hearing that message, hearing that messaging. And, you know, like, again, just like uh, refocus, what are our priorities? Um, and try to draw those priorities from the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu who himself was, yeah, incredibly beautiful at like, you know, again, like, uh, uh, as all of Allah's creation are, but also, like, what did he prioritize, and what did he value, and what did he praise in the people around him, Um, and go back to emphasizing those things as the most important parts of a human being, their character, their commitment to Allah, and to his prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and if I can add, like, one last, like, semi-personal point that maybe will be meaningful to like some of the younger sisters out there who are, like, really bombarded with this stuff all the time, and struggling to navigate it, that, for me personally, like, I became, like, so much more confident and secure, like, the m- more modestly I began dressing. And I'm only saying that because I, like, feel like this might be a beneficial point, again, for some sisters. But it was, like, when I, f- first of all, yeah, when I started, like, dressing more modestly, um, and when I stopped, like, posting pictures of myself, when I stopped, like, thinking about, and when I stopped, like, watching things and, like, um, you know, following people who post things about, like, beauty and makeup and fashion stuff, that's actually when I started to feel, like, so much better about myself. And it was, like, you know, purely from just, like, yeah, like, just removing these things from my life, not even, like, watching them and then thinking, well, okay, you know, I can overcome this and I can still, uh, you know, like, be confident in myself by, um like finding different ways to beautify myself, whatever. But it was really like letting go of a lot of those things. And again, just like trying to, um, it, it almost like, you know, what what I think would, it, it almost seems like the it would have the opposite effect, which is like dressing more modestly and like in a less fashionable and less conventionally beautiful way, like that, that I actually started to feel like better and like more beautiful and whatever, you know, like th- th- that's just like, and again, like it's not the most important thing in the world, but it helps to at least, you know, kind of like, get rid of that like um that mental burden of worrying about those things so i hope that's helpful to anyone out there i mean listen exactly what i was saying we are not out here saying listen you know you're weak and why do you think beauty is so important you shouldn't let (laughs) these things affect you that is not at all what we're saying what we're saying is the complete opposite in fact and that we acknowledge exactly how hard it is we are three women sitting here on this podcast acknowledging (laughs) all of the struggles because we've been there ourselves we are i mean every day i still fight through that like alhamdulillah you know i have good days and i have bad days you know some days where i'm like oh you know who cares i'm doing this piece of 
and I'm gonna go out in my funny looking hijab and my you know wonky looking abaya and I'm not wearing my you know three inch heels or whatever but and there are other days where I'm like oh my goodness I look like a frump what am I gonna do but you know like that's how we are all here to inshallah help shift this mindset of the importance that society is saying telling us beauty should take and instead you know uplifting each other in saying no Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made me in this perfect stunning beautiful way you know what's you know I'm going to focus on my character on my Islam on my relationships etc um, and yes beauty has a place but we need to recognize and remind ourselves what that place is and girls listen you know what we think you're stunning anyway mashallah <laughs> each and every one of you brothers too whoever's listening to this drop dead gorgeous <laughs> Yeah, no, that's like, that's the thing too. It's like when I say, you know, like started dressing more modestly or whatever, I don't mean like started dressing in a more ugly way. Like I will confidently <laughs> yeah. and like unabashedly say that like my style is popping and like I love the way I dress, mashallah. And like it, I can say that objectively because like, it, and I know that this is not coming from a place of arrogance because like I, kn- I know what like, yeah, I know what I'm about like when it comes to style and all these things. And it's like my favorite things when it comes to, you know, like what I'm wearing are the ones where. That, that like my favorite outfits are the ones where not only is it like yeah it's my style but i i know that it's pleasing to allah and that only like beautifies exactly. it more in my eyes so mm-hmm. yeah we're not saying like you know start dressing like a bum and like shed all these <laughs> beauty standards and like just, like become a hermit or whatever like no like the, i'm like the, this I, I think like every sincere step towards allah is rewarded multiple fold and so and you will see that in this realm too you know um so yeah yeah Anyway, I think that like, yeah, we've, um, and I think that this conversation can continue as well, you know, Um, there are so many other aspects of this, like this whole issue that, um, yeah, it just takes like a, 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 like a much more in-depth kind of analysis and breaking down of these things and working through them together. But I think that this was a good start, alhamdulillah. Um, And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Let us know what you all thought. um, And we will we will not see you but you know we'll we'll catch you on the next episode inshallah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh